If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Margie, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 188 of Classic Conversations. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Great to have you back for what's sure to be a classic red carpet edition of the podcast. I have none other than Melissa Rivers with me. That's right. No one knows red carpet better than Melissa Rivers. We're talking red carpet. We're talking all about her podcast group text. And of course, her latest book, Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman. Melissa's got tons of great Joan Rivers stories, just tons of great stories. And that's coming up in just a few seconds. And in these few seconds, quick reminder, episode 186 with Hank Garrett. It doesn't get classicer than that episode. Hank Garrett, star of the classic sitcom Car 54, Where Are You? Hank shares so many great stories. That is a do not miss interview. And of course, the bonus Crossing the Streams episode last Thursday. You need TV binge watching suggestions. I got you covered. All right. Well, without further ado, let's dive into all these amazing stories with Melissa Rivers. Enjoy. All right, everyone, excited to introduce you to my next guest, New York Times bestselling author, award-winning producer, podcaster, made the red carpet a thing with her mom, Joan Rivers. You know her from Fashion Police, Celebrity Apprentice, Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best. Her new book is Lies, My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman, a work of fiction. Welcome to the show, Melissa Rivers. The crowd goes wild. Crowd goes wild. I love talking to folks who are also podcasters because you get it. You get the <laughs> Yeah. Get I totally get it. You totally get it. So I've so I have so many notes to talk about. I do want to say one thing is uh Joan Rivers, your mom. I, I have I found this cassette that I have. Oh right? my god, that's amazing. And I was introduced to your mom from my mom. And uh, so when I grew up, the comedians that I listened to were the ones that were my mom's favorite. And Joan Rivers was one of her favorites. And one of the things I distinctly remember was how fascinated she was with her and Howard Stern together. Like they'd be on TV. This is when Howard Stern was that Howard Stern way back, decades old Howard Stern, when people didn't know what was going on. But she loved him. And I think it was because Joan loved him that she loved him. And then that's how I kind of fell in love with your mom's comedy. So I found this cassette, which I've have. It's in my box of comedy. I do stand up comedy and I have like these mementos from the years. And this is one of those things that I kind of just keep. That's a relic. Hold on to that. That could be worth like a dollar or two on eBay if you ever get desperate. It is. I got to say, I, I assumed that your question might be is, had you listened to it, which obviously I couldn't have because I don't even know the last time I saw a cassette player, but I pulled it up on Spotify and oh my God, it is just as funny listening to this today as it was way back when it was originally recorded. Timeless, timeless, timeless. So amazing. I enjoyed your book. Thank you. Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman, a work of fiction. This was your COVID project? This was my COVID project. 
you know, COVID hit, we're all doing a million things and everything comes to a complete and total standstill. And everyone had been asking me from the election on, what would my mother be saying? And my writing partner and I were like, something here. Maybe we can even do something, you know, make it pointed and sharp and poignant and use my mother's voice to do so. So we started writing, it was going to essentially be an article or an op-ed. And um, it was funny. And we thought, oh, there's something here. So then we started to write, I'd be fun to write my mother's version of the history of the world. That would be hilarious. And we were writing and writing and we ended up, you know, we got through the French Revolution, which is actually part of which is in the book. And we ended up with Napoleon on Elba. We're trying to write a whole thing about there not being a Starbucks. And we got completely stuck. And then we started to look back and we're like, these are all lies. And then we started thinking what, you know, it just kind of happened through that, like lies my mother told me. And we just sort of opened up the narrative, so to speak. I'm still determined to write the history of the world according to Joan. But until I figure out how to get a missing Starbucks on Elba, um, I'm having writer's block. But that's how it happened. That's amazing. That's sometimes how the best things happen, though, right? They're just kind of, they accidentally evolve. And then you're, you can pick it out. You recognize that it's happening at that moment. And then go, hey, this can be something. This can be, we can go somewhere with this. The worst part was we both ended up with writer's block, but not at the same time. And that was just, we were both miserable. And so we ended up turning it in late because we couldn't, you know, he had really bad writer's block and then I had really bad writer's block. So we were, eh, it's not funny. And then obviously we got through it and got the final product. But man, it, everyone's like, was it hard? I'm like, yeah, because there was nothing you could do because we were all in quarantine to like clear your head or do this or do that or walk away. We could walk away from it, but not, I couldn't go and do another project or work or do something to help get me out of it. And since I think best in the shower, I'm one of those people. I mean, my water bill was absurd. I just kept standing in the shower thinking, okay, something's going to come to me. I'm a treadmill or walker guy. Yeah. They pop pops in my head during that. Was it cathartic to to put down words in your in your mom's voice? No, it wasn't cathartic, but it was really fun. And my writing partner, I talk about this all the time. It saved us during COVID because we would have these scheduled sessions and we knew for those blocks of hours each week we were gonna laugh. And it, it really saved us. I can imagine. Yeah. During, during COVID. It kept us laughing. A lot of fun, right. To laugh and then pull together all the thoughts and stuff to uh, how your mom would react to some of these things. Oh yeah. We'd be texting back and forth with like one line and see if we could go from there or like a, what if, what if she was at Alcatraz? Like, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and and then like, can we do the, can we somehow connect Alcatraz with the Titanic? I mean, we just kept going back and forth with like (laughs) these germs of ideas. So funny. I, I I assume like there's elements of truth, right? And then you kind of define truth. Well, maybe like I remember once I wrote a, a routine about my wife had giving birth. That part was true, and some of the th- ancillary things were true. But then you create. I created an entire fiction around. Right. It. So, for example, my we did have Thanksgiving, and my mother did actually know the story of Thanksgiving. You know, my mother loved going to theater. No, she did not meet the Pope there. You know, so the jumping off points are true. You know, my mother did take Cooper every year on a, a trip and a traditional trip that they called grandma week. And they would go to these amazing places and they did go to Italy and they did see the Vatican. However, they did not get into an altercation in the gift shop. 
Uh, but these are things that, but you could have probably seen those things happening. And so it, yeah. it probably was fun to like play it out. <laughs> That's If you look at the dedication, it, make, it all makes sense. Yeah. It was just for Cooper. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, just apologize up front. This poor child is just like, oh man, I hope insanity skips two generations, not just one. <laughs> I was, as I was reading some of these things, some of the chat, as I was reading some of the chapters, uh, white lies matter, triggers things in your own life. And that chapter is about lying to people, white lies and making people feel better through li- white lies. And there was something my grandma always had taught us, something my grandma had taught us. If you see a baby, like an ugly baby. Not all babies are cute or pretty. Exactly. I mean, I've seen some really ugly babies. Exactly. Some have to grow into it. The phrase she would always say is like, what a face. That's the one that we kind of took with us. I mean, there's some elements I'm assuming are based like you grew up around a lot of famous people. Um, not as many fam- famous people as, as most people would assume. My parents were very um, traditional in the sense of my friends until the day my mother died either called her Mrs. R or Mrs. Rosenberg. And her phone at her home was answered until the day she died, Rosenberg residence. So their friends ran the gamut, whether it be doctors or lawyers or writers or entertainers. So it wasn't all famous people. It was people from all walks of life. And, you know, their whole thing was if someone is smart and funny, we're interested in being with them. Got it. Was the Siegfried and Roy stuff at all real? Was there any- oh, no, I we, because my mom worked so much in Vegas. Yes, I, I yeah. met Z Creed and Roy. We had had lunch at their house. My parents were always terrified that some big cat walking around would think I was a snack. My parents were always terrified. I, given how that story played out, it, it's probably <laughs> not, a, not a horrible thing to have been worried about. I, I'm just trying to look at some of the chapters. Are there, is there like a particular one in the book that's your favorite that you wrote? You're like, oh, this is... This this one I just, I really, really love. Well, the first one that I wrote, which kind of was the jumping off point, was the one about the Big Bang and shoddy construction and, you know, doing things without a permit. That's the one that started the ball rolling. And I wrote it and I sent it to my partner and I was like, do you think this is funny? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then that, that one really started us down this path. I love that one. I love why I'm an only child. Uh, <laughs> I love the fact that we have a running gag about that. I have a brother who's brilliant that I've never met. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a runner through the whole book, Melvin. You know, so there are certain elements that I think are really funny because they're so inside. I love this story about Margie. Yes. Oh, but by the way, and of course, my mother's from, and literally that's probably the one most based in the truth. If I heard one more time, don't tell anybody. Okay. I told mommy, why'd you tell Margie? Who does Margie know that she's going to tell? That was a Margie's not going to tell anyone. She doesn't run in the same circles as you. What is she going to tell? Who's she going to tell? Someone in LA? Mom, I asked you not to tell. I didn't. Yes, you did. Well, I only told Margie. I mean, that is, that conversation is very close to verbatim. It's a funny conversation. Some of these, you can see like where possibly there was some heavier truth than some of the other ones. And Margie, by the way, is in all my books because she was my mom's best friend and they were hilarious together. That's awesome. The Anne Frank stuff. It was your mom really fascinated with Anne Frank. I love, I've been there. I've been to the house. So I was like, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I've never, um, <laughs> never talked to anyone else who's been there. Both of my parents, as am I, are avid readers. And we all read mostly nonfiction. And we were all fascinated. I was a history major. 
It's something we all loved and would share books. And especially my mom and I, because my dad passed when I was so young. So in the sense of there's, it's not that she loved Anne Frank, it's she loved history. Got it. Okay. We shared books on history and serial killers. We never met any kind of murder and mayhem show book that we didn't love. I mean, both of us always have, you know, forensic files on in the background. It's amazing how that can just suck you in. Oh my God. I'm, I literally cannot wait to watch the Jeffrey Dahmer thing on Netflix. Like I'm saving it. Like, I can't wait. Like I'm going to put it in like tonight. I'm going to watch like, you know, I'm planning a whole evening around it. And I hear it's great. I heard the same thing. It kind of weirds me out. My wife loves that stuff. And I was like that particular eating people kind (laughs) of. But my mother and I were also huge law and order fanatics. Huge. I can safely say that we have seen, or I have seen, and she too, um, had seen every single episode of the original series. That's impressive. Yep. That's one of those shows like now with binging, it's hard to catch up on certain shows because there's like, oh, you guys should watch Law and Order. There's 7,000 episodes. I've seen all of them. And now what's so exciting for me is I have a friend on the new one, Cameron Mannheim. So I get like a double whammy. I get Law and Order and I get to watch a friend. So it's super fun for me to be able to get a Law and Order and Cameron Mannheim and watch a friend. I have a Cameron Mannheim. I can't see it, but like right next to it, you can kind of see it like right there. There's, it's her. It's, I have an eight by 10 autograph of her. She was friends with my cousin, Roberta Levine. Nice. In New York. So she got me her autograph once. <laughs> I love her. She's awesome. She's awesome. Boston Legal, right? Yeah. Back in the day. Yep. No, the practice, the practice back which in the day. I can't remember which one, the practice. One of those, but she was awesome. Yeah. Uh, when I happen to have a friend on a show, it's always fun. It's always it fun Makes to it watch. more interesting. Makes it more interesting. Yeah. Oh, I think that's one moment where, I mean, there was a lot of times where I, I laughed because I think you're a very funny writer. It's, it's, it, the book reads so funny, but there was one line, <laughs> oh, what about Billie Jean King and her husband, Larry King? Yeah. I think I almost lost it. <laughs> like I, that one caught me off guard. <laughs> I, was just like, I just, I read that and I'm just like, certain things you read at the right moment and it's just like, boom. Yeah. It, or it's it one of those things right that over. you, that you read, that you're reading fast and you go, wait a minute, you have to go back. Yeah. Little Easter eggs. Sorry to interrupt, but I want to thank everyone for their support of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Classic Conversations, and that's how we keep the lights on. And now back to my amazing conversation with Melissa Rivers. Is it funny, like when people read this and and it, it feels like, oh, this could have actually happened. This could have been something Joan Rivers actually. A lot of people say to me, is it a memoir? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Look at the cover. No, it is not a memoir. And if this were the truth, I'd be crazier than I am. (laughs) I know, but it's a compliment. I know, but it's like, I never expected anyone to actually read it. And I was so clear. I made sure the publisher made it so clear on the cover that it was fiction. So everyone keeps saying that I've made made a new genre, (laughs) which is fake fiction. Or fake fiction. nonfiction <laughs> that isn't that you can't really call fiction. Well, it would have been hard for anyone else to pull it off for Joan River other than you. I mean, you have so many years firsthand. So it was like, if someone else has just been an avid fan and done it like a fan fiction thing. But yeah, I mean, you're, I was reading some of this and I had to remind myself this didn't really happen. <laughs> but that's a credit to you and your writing partner. Hey. It's uh, it's just, it's so fun. And it's it's nice to kind of feel that that tone again and, and, and read it. Fourth, third book together. 
Oh, wait, I saw your, uh, Joan was a, a minister in the Universal Life Church, so am I. There you go, so you can marry people. <laughs> I can marry people. I married one person. I did marry one. My mother married a number of gay couples, and she did it right when gay marriage became legal, so that she could marry some of her friends. That's really, really awesome. All right, so that's an awesome book that everyone should get. So while I was diving in and kind of looking at stuff, it was interesting. I, I, I read, I find some facts about Melissa Rivers. Your first movie was Rabbit Test. A cameo. A cameo. But, you know, it was, you know, who else appeared in Rabbit Test had a debut? Yes, I do know because my mother wrote it and directed it. I know. I figure I know. But it's just I didn't know this. I Billy knew Billy Crystal. Crystal he, but then Michael Keaton also. Yeah. It's, uh, that was new for me. And then so that was the start of did you want to be an actress at some point? I know you're on like 90210 and you did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Is that one of the paths you wanted to be? Um, Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to, you know, be up there accepting an Academy Award? And I trained with Sandy Meisner and I was working and did some off-Broadway and this and that. And then certain opportunities came my way and I took them. And at the same time, I was already starting to produce and I had a job. I had my first real paid job that was like an internship was as a research assistant on a show called Rescue 911, which was sort of the first reenactment show. And... I, love, I started out interning like at CBS News and getting some little jobs there. And I love the news. I could have stayed in the news my entire career. Then these other opportunities start coming up and you say, I think I want to try this or, you know, I need a job. I'm going to take this. And it just, you know, my mom was always like, and my dad too, walk through any door that opens. In our business, you don't get to be so picky. That's great advice. Yeah. I mean, That's certain really people advice. get to be picky, but it's a very small group. You know, Michael Caine put it best, which is an actor acts like you want to be a working actor. And that's why people have these huge careers and, and very few people get to pick and choose. I did have a note that yeah, Rescue 911 and a college internship at Entertainment Tonight. Yes, I, I worked at Entertainment Tonight back in the day. That was my favorite show. Like I, I lived for entertainment. Tonight. <laughs> I'm sure I'm a big fan of your work. On exactly. I was an intern. I was logging tapes. I wasn't oh, doing anything. Okay. Well, if, anything if you ever, spectacular. Like, well, if had you had, I would have been, I would have been right there for you. You know, and I, every time I do sing on entertainment tonight, they always are like, we had you first. I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. They didn't uh, see the potential early enough. No, they did not. For red carpet glory. I was one of many interns. So one story that I found that could have been in your new book, I think this one's true, is your mother wanted you to be in Playboy? Is there something? Oh, it's, it's a story that's taken off a life of its own. I had done a show and there was some interest for a significant amount of money of me doing something in the magazine. And the story somehow has taken on a life of its own. There is a, a, a germ of truth there. <laughs> because I was approached and I did say, I no, I already had my son. Like, I don't need his friends to be able to, you know, look up on the internet and be like, dude, we saw your mom's tits. Like, that's just not wrong. Right. You know, I'm so glad that you said that because that's what we always say when like we see stuff. It's like they have kids or like they'll write things and this stuff lives forever now. And it's like, but certain people, it's fine. And it's part of their image and this and that and the other. But it was not my image. It was not something that is part of my quote unquote brand. And that was before we even used those words. And, you know, it just wasn't for me, you know, and but my, my mom's like, you're going to regret it one day. And I'm like, nah, I kind of do regret it now because it was at a point in my life where I was like, I was looking good. 
it's like, damn it. <laughs> she was right. I would have those pictures. But on the other hand, my, you know, my poor son is embarrassed enough by, by his <laughs> lineage. Oh, uh, that's so funny. I didn't take it like she really, really probably wanted you to. Oh, no, I, she uh... did. She did. <laughs> oh, did she? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought, because I know I saw later when I was looking up clips on, uh, for Joan and Melissa, I think there's a sex tape episode or something where she's like, Melissa wouldn't do it. So I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anything for a dollar. <laughs> Uh, so funny. So funny. So your mom, Joan, like with your dad, they, it always was like a, from what I was researching, it was always like a family business. Always. And then that kind of grew into you and Joan doing so many fun things together. I think it's great. I think it's, it's cause most people don't do that. Right. I mean, it's like, this was sort of a unique thing for your mom to do is to not go off on her, you know, continue her own star path, but bring you and work the family in and, and do so many cool projects with you. But it started very much by accident. It started as, you know, oh, this would be a fun stunt kind of thing. And it worked, but it literally started as just, you know, I was already doing MTV and CBS News and I had shot a pilot for my own TV show. And it was right when it came down to me and Ricky Lake for that show. And, you know, I was well on my way. And the opportunity came up and she, you know, was like, oh, this, you know, it was very much, I'm sure some sort of a, you know, oh, this would be a cool attention grabbing stunt. And then all of a sudden we're like, there is something here. So it really was very, um, kismet's not the right word. But uh, I guess maybe kismet is the right word. Yeah, yeah, the universe, the universe has a way, right? Yeah, it was one of those things that, that there was just this ease and this banter. And I, by me being there, sort of being the Greek chorus, she could say more outrageous things. So it became very much a balance. Worked. Again, there was not some big, ooh, we're going to try this and let's do this. And this is a master plan. It literally was just, ah, eh, that'll be fun. Let's give it a whirl. Was it the E stuff that was yes. the first stuff together? Okay. So red carpets was like, it. you know, I think back and like, I guess I was just there the whole time, but it's like, I really, you know, looking back, you realize we, that became the fun part of all those shows. Somehow we managed to create walking into a build, turning walking into a building into an event. I know it's a, I, you have to think back. Sometimes you like, you take things for granted and you realize, oh, you just assumed it was always there. But as I start reading this, no, you guys, we were there. We, we like planted the flag, a river's invention. Was it fun? Just kind of being able to do that. I know you have your podcast now and that you talk to people, but these, these have been like quick hits. Oh, it was like so fun. So fun back in the day at the time. It's not, I don't think it's fun now, but it was very fun. As my mom used to say, it was like the world's best cocktail party. You talked to everybody for two minutes. You know, you didn't have to get deep. You caught, did a quick catch up. Say, oh, what are you wearing? Oh, and move on. You know, now you can't do that. Now everything has to be fucking serious. Now I just put it on so I don't miss it when the other one starts. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Because yeah. it's just like, you know, every, no one's allowed to. It, it was fun and it was light and it was exciting. And people were allowed to have a good time and be funny and be joyful. And I think we're just starting to get back to that place now. But it's been a long time. Yeah, it was like having it was like watching real conversations between real people yeah. who happen to be the stars. And and that's what made it so enjoyable. Right. And it's like because they, they weren't on a pedestal to you. Yeah. You were like equals and, and talking with them. And I think that made all the difference. Absolutely. The, no. And people weren't scared. Now everybody's scared. That's because if you do one thing wrong, you're over. It goes viral. It's everything. So uh, captured in the moment, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's. 
right. So, all right. So that was a, a huge claim to fame. And then I watched Joan and Melissa. Joan knows best. Yeah, our hybrid uh, reality show. Hybrid reality show. So the one episode I watched, and I didn't pick this one, it picked me, I guess I would say, is it was just the one that was always there. It was called The Public Affair. It was somebody did something horrible to you on a, a dating site, and then uh, Conrad finds out he's Jewish and your mom throws him a bar mitzvah. <laughs> That's true. And there's Conrad like this- did find out he was Jewish. My friend so Conrad, cool. the waspiest looking human being alive, did like a 23 and me or something like that and discovered he was Jewish. And he can fully in real life, he fully converted. His wife converted. He would go to services. Like he became a legit practicing Jew. That's cool. Isn't that cool? cool. That is. And your mom helped him. And, My mom threw a bar mitzvah. With Jason Alexander as the MC. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, the normal Jewish. Bar mitzvah stuff that happened in so, my backyard. Uh, yeah, that was, but it was just funny. Like, so how, how was it? You've done a lot of reality TV, but like, is it is it fun to like have to come up with all this drama, or is it draining? Depends which to, show. You know, if you're also producing and basically writing the show, like Joan knows best, that was exhausting. Uh, Celebrity Apprentice was exhausting because people don't realize you shoot one episode in two days, and it's made to look a lot longer. So you're going from, you're usually in the hair and makeup chair around 5.30 a.m. And you are basically going till you're done. And you have to complete these tasks in so short time. There are certain conceits. There are certain like printing places that will turn it for you really fast. There are certain things that are set up where normally you would go to Kinko's and they would say, sorry, come back in three days. You know, so that kind of stuff was, was factored in that we could get things done. But it was six days a week from sunup till it was done. So that was exhausting and extremely stressful and extremely competitive. So Celebrity Apprentice, that was season eight, I believe. I have no uh, idea. All right, well, let's just take, we'll take my research. At, at, at face point. value, okay. <laughs> it was season value. eight. So it was season eight. You were uh, on the team with, uh, it was Athena versus KOTU. Let's just pretend that's how you pronounce it. You were on with Joan Rivers. You were both on the same team. Annie Duke and uh, Brandy Broderick. You, uh, Chloe Kardashian. And then uh, I'm not listing them all, but on the other team, Herschel Walker. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of these names coming up again. Dennis Rodman, Tom Green, Scott Hamilton, Andrew Dice Clay. Was there anyone on the show that you connected with? Like that you? Well, I was friendly. I was friends with Tom beforehand. Okay. So, and that, you know, we talk once or twice a year. I adore Dennis. We stayed in touch for quite a while. I haven't heard from him in a long time, however. Herschel, I, I think people underestimated how smart of a businessman Herschel is. Um, and so he was very much, wasn't what you expected. Very impressive. Jesse, super smart, super impressive. But then these people years later go on and do absolutely insane thing. And you scratch your head going, wasn't the person I knew, but you know, I'm sure they look at me and say the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's quite confounding to me. The whole, you know, how all these place people, a lot of these people have played out their lives since then. But Tom, you know, we talk a couple times a year, but we were friendly beforehand anyway. So it was nice. I kind of like already had a buddy to hang out with. Was it an issue knowing you're going to go in competing against your mom? No, no. We looked at that as an advantage. Okay. I guess you made it to sixth place. I guess you could say you were. Well, I wasn't supposed to be eliminated that night. They caught everybody by surprise. And it was all this drama. And, you know, you're so deep in it and so competitive that when things happen, you lose your shit. And I lost my shit. 
because I knew that I was did not deserve to be fired and they did not think I was going to be fired. And it caught everybody, meaning the crew and the producers and everyone very by surprise. And it turned into a whole behind the scenes issue that my charity got money and my mom ended up winning. And that was that. That was <laughs> your mom was a celebrity apprentice. She went off on <laughs> on Annie Duke as well. That was funny. Uh, so all right, so those emotions were real. That was you just oh, very real. Okay, the emotions on that show are very because you're exhausted and stressed, and you've got all these people who are extremely competitive. Yeah, for some reason, I think the one thing I remember from one of the things I remember from that season is Khloe Kardashian being kicked off because. Trump was like, you did something with drunk driving, but it had been like a million years ago. And then like, well, no, she had to leave to go do like public, you know, do like community service to clear something up. And it had been cleared by the network. It had been cleared by the producers for her to miss that particular, those particular days, blah, 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 blah. And somehow Trump found out what she was doing and she flew back on the red eye and showed up for work and he fired her. And it was, a, it was quite a debacle because it came completely out of the blue and it had already been the network knew the producers knew everybody knew and it had been cleared before she even signed on to do the show because she knew she had to go home and do the community service days. right she had already paid the dues or whatever was doing whatever uh, yeah, and uh, yeah just it anyway okay Sorry to interrupt my amazing conversation with Melissa Rivers but we have to take a quick break and now we're back. Get ready for some more Melissa Rivers. You've done a lot. Is there any of these <laughs> celebrity get me out of here? Family Feud, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Any of those uh, specific ones? Anything pop out <laughs> in terms of? No, I mean, you know, you, you do all those for charity. Okay. And it's fun. Did Family Feud with our entire family. And that was really fun, even though I almost murdered one of my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Literally almost killed him during a commercial break. So all of those are fun. I would love to do Celebrity Jeopardy, but I know I would freeze. I know I would freeze. Yeah, I'm a great, I'm great at Jeopardy at home. Yeah, I know I would just freeze and be like, my button isn't working. And I would, I would just, I would be in a full sweat. Uh, so what did it mean to you and Joan and, you know, the fan, when she finally returned to The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon? Oh, huge. Epic. I rewatched the clip yesterday. It's it was great. It was there like was it weird? Like, is there animosity with Conan or like Jay Leno for like holding up this Carson feud? Uh, Conan never had anything to do with it. It was more a thing with Leno, and I carried a lot of animosity towards him in particular. And you know, but I've gotten a place in my life like who cares? I've I've hit that point where I'm like, who cares? Everybody's made decisions, good, bad, or indifferent. And for quite a while, I had a lot of lot of issue with Jay Leno more than anybody and talk about it in one of my books and talk openly about one time him snubbing me, like looking right at me and turning away right after my mom died. Hey. And, you know, and he claims he didn't notice me or he didn't see it was me. It's like, whatever. But I don't even want to go there because you know what? He, whether you think he's funny or not, he's got an unbelievable work ethic. He doesn't stop. He keeps pushing forward and good for him. Like on the other side, he got all the crazy with the tonight show and originally being pushed out and then brought back. And you know what? He's a survivor. And at this point, it's like, you've got to respect survivors. 
whether you like them or don't like them. So I do respect him for being a survivor. Gotcha. Those of us who have chewed up and spit out by late night, and I say I consider myself part of that since it was such a huge part of my family. It is survivors. And Conan wasn't really there long enough probably to do anything. He wasn't really a part of the whole conversation. Okay. I was just curious because I I remember when it happened uh, and it was- It was was incredible. incredible. Yeah. And so- It was a very special moment for everybody, including Jimmy. Yeah, I can imagine. When you're walking into the studio now, um, they have pictures along the wall. And one of the big pictures is Jimmy and my mom that night. And your mom just came full guns ablazing that night too. Nazi joke, right? And loved him. Loved him, loved him. (laughs) So funny. One of the funny things about the clip is watching Russell (laughs) Crowe. Crying with laughter. Because, you know, they were supposed to leave and then Russell wanted to stay apparently. And they asked my mom if it was okay. And she's like, sure. And he just was howling with laughter. And that's always wonderful to see. Yeah, I mean, it was just like giddy laughing, like. Yeah, like couldn't stop. Could not stop. Could not stop laughing. That was great. I wanted to talk. You're an ambassador for our house grief support center. And then you do work with D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services. And suicide prevention. Yes, I'm on their board. Okay, I watched Tears and Laughter. Was that cathartic? (laughs) No, that was something I was I was arm twisted into doing and still regret to this day. Okay. So uh, the focus on uh, the charities then. So obviously I'm on the board of D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services and Suicide Prevention. It's a wonderful organization, really moving the needle on opening up discussion about mental health and suicide prevention. And we've been instrumental in getting the 988 number launched, which is the new national number, the national number to call if someone is in distress and is suicidal. Instead of calling the long helpline number, you now dial 988. If you call 911, they will now divert that to 988. So you get very specific kind of help and the help you need, not a 911 person who's trying to field all these calls, trying for it. So it's a very exciting time for us because we were instrumental in getting that done. That's amazing. And then, yeah, and kind of just learning about this and just kind of rewatching this. We had front of the family lost a daughter to suicide recently. And so it was like, as I was kind of digging in on all the, the good stuff that you're doing here and all that, it was just like kind of, you know, things kind of line up in the timing. So it's great that you're doing all this. And it's always nice when something that tragic in your life can happen, you can turn it into something. Yes. And, and I talk very openly about that, that one of the things that was the most horrific things in my life has turned into a huge purpose for me, as well as something incredibly meaningful and cathartic and positive. You're going to help a lot, a lot of people. So, which is amazing. Talk to me about your podcast, Group Text. It's fun. I have great celebrities. We have fun conversations. We talk about everything and anything. And it's like, I try and always think, what would be, if this was my, I was sitting at the, next to this person at a dinner party, what would I want to ask? And not just be like all fanned out. And I have these great conversations and we talk about current events and it's, I keep them light and funny, not digging. There's no gotchas. It's just two people having a conversation. And I keep it that way. It's very, and I have notes, but you just never know which way it's going to go. And that's what's fun about it. And the nice thing is, is the people have on actually enjoy doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, I listened to a couple episodes and I, I'm digging it. I'm subscribed now. And so it, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's good. It's always nice. We can hear just conversations where it just feels like it's 
kind of just easy, easy going back and forth. I listened to the Tia Carrera. That was so interesting. Like I learned things about her. So interesting. I'd met her once at a comic con. She won a Grammy. I'm like, what? I know she's a singer. Yeah, uh, I met her at a comic con. I can't look at her without in my head going dream. We all do though, but that's what was so interesting was this whole other side of her and how she was discovered and all these fascinating things that you never would have thought from her. Starting with that, she's an amazing singer, a Grammy Award winner. That's the beauty of these podcasts. And when people come on, they can learn like little nuggets and get to know people differently than the five minutes when if they're on Entertainment Weekly or something like that. So. You know, and I'm very honest. I go, okay, let's get out the plug. What are we here? You're here because of this. Let's get it out. Da, 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 da. Okay, now that's done. So now let's talk about were you a good student in grammar school or did you spend time in detention? <laughs> awesome. So yeah, you got that. And then uh, the other clip I found that I found fascinating was you talking with Joy Behar. I don't know if it was on The View or not. Probably The View. Where people were saying that your son <laughs> was a stand-in and that your mom put out a $5,000 reward to prove that uh, your son <laughs> not an actor. I have no idea what clip you watched. Oh, really? It was a clip where you were talking to Joe Behar. Uh, uh, Joy Behar. Oh, can't, I'm, I'm losing myself Joy. for a second. You were talking about Joy Behar. It was you and your mom. And there was like gossip or something going on about people saying that Cooper was uh, an actor. Like there was a stand-in actor in your mom. Oh, oh, in the reality oh, was show. It in the rea- was it just one of the plots made up or was it a... No, I think people didn't realize that that was actually Cooper. Okay. <laughs> Got it. All right. So it came from that. All right. That's uh, I was curious. Cooper's now 21, a senior in college. Lacrosse, right? He plays lacrosse. Plays lacrosse. That's incredible. I'll always be my baby. <laughs> and we're lucky. I have a great relationship. We have a great relationship. That's awesome. How did, did he do well kind of growing up in the limelight as well? Did he enjoy that or? No, you know, it's again, people say, what was it like? I'm like, I don't know. Cause you don't really think about it. And my parents were so adamant about keeping a clear line between what was real and what wasn't real. And I've done the same with Cooper that he knows like, I always call it fake life versus real life. So he's in a place right now, or he was in a place, I think he's still in a place where he wants nothing to do with it. And I went through that also. But he also, his interests are very different. He is very creative. He's going to end up in one of the creative arts. He loves music. He's had had an amazing internship this summer with a label. He's got a job for next year. They've offered him a job for when he graduates. And he's off and running. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And, and by the way, and it's like, he wouldn't let me call anybody I knew, blah, blah. He put out applications. He did interviews. He did the whole thing. And I'm, I'm really, really proud of him. At one point, he did ask me to talk to a friend of mine who works at a label for advice and who he should talk to. But by the time we all connected, he already got his job. So, and now she, and now after that, she calls him. She's like, I want you next summer. He's like, I've already spoken for He's a hustler. He's got drive. He is a hustler. He is. He's got that hustle gene. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's funny. And he's funny. He's very. Does funny. he want to stand up? Hell no. <laughs> but he definitely, he definitely got the funny gene. That's awesome. Ah, uh, well, Melissa, this was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate no it. No problem. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. MelissaRivers.com. You can check your check out all the goods there. You got uh, your book, Lies My Mother Told Me, Tall Tales from a Short Woman. It's a work of fiction, but you're going to love it. It's going <laughs> to 
It reads so real, but it's not. It's not real. Lawyers. Not real. Uh, where else do you hang out online? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the normal places you could think to find. Awesome. Me. I'll put links to the book and your in sh- the show notes and your podcast. Everyone, check out Group Tag, Insta, Insta and my Twitter, and my Facebook. All that. All that good stuff. All of it. It'll just be a spike. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. You have a good day too. All right. How amazing was Melissa Rivers? My own little red carpet experience with Melissa Rivers. Definitely check out her book. Super hilarious. Check out her website. I'll put links to Melissa's website in the book and all that kind of good stuff in the show notes. So you can check that out there. In the meantime, with the interview over... It can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for another trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at Hashtag Roundup. Download the free, always free Hashtag Roundup app from the iTunes App Store or Google Play Store. Tweet along with us and one day one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. This episode's hashtag, we're going back to 2019. Hashtag lies your parents told you from Moose Chuckle Tag, a weekly game on hashtag roundup. Hashtag lies your parents told you, obviously inspired by Melissa Rivers' book. Lies my mother told me. You can tweet your own. Hashtag lies your parents told you. Tweets. Tag us at Jeff Dwoskin Show on Twitter. I'll show you some Twitter love. In the meantime, here are some hashtag lies your parents told you tweets for inspiration. Coffee stunts your growth. My dad told me Santa was real, but my mom didn't want me believing a lie. So she told me Santa died in a snowstorm. These are some amazing hashtag lies your parents told you tweets, but here's more. We'll be there in 15 minutes that the police are going to arrest you if you turn the lights on in the car in the dark. They should arrest you. You have potential. These are hashtag lies your parents told you. These hockey cards aren't going to be worth anything when you get older. You'll be strong like Popeye if you eat your spinach. Those glasses really suit your face. Babies are hatched from an egg. And the final hashtag lies your parents told you tweet. I will turn this car around. Oh, all right. All of those are retweeted at Jeff Dewaskin Show. Go show them some Twitter love. Well, with the hashtag over and the interview over, that can only mean one thing. That's right. Episode 188 has come to an end. I want to thank my very special guest, Melissa Rivers. And of course, I want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me. And I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations.